Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Luca's Tigers and Bronze. Oh, my. All right, Luca Nation. We got a really, really special episode for you guys today. And I, I have a feeling this is going to be uh, one you guys listen to a few times uh, for a few reasons. It touches on a ton of kind of thesis that Cage and I have. We got, uh, you know, we spent 45 minutes talking kind of backstage with uh, Ken and Matt. And they're awesome guys. This is an awesome company. And uh, I would love for you guys to support and listen to this episode. So Matt, head of operations, Ken, I mean, UI, UX, just design guru. You'll you'll introduce yourself in a second because I'm probably butchering that. But these are guys from my slabs. Uh, And if you guys have heard, I say in a world right now of decentralization, right, we see all these different marketplaces you got to be on everyone, right? It doesn't even cost money to be on everyone. My slabs is definitely one you want to be on. Uh, so if you want to pause this recording, go ahead, create an account and kind of follow along. They have some really innovative cards, really cool cards you probably don't see anywhere else. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce Matt and Ken Rogers from the My Slabs team. How are we good? How are we doing, guys? All right. <laughs> Never better. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to give them an intro, right? And then you can get into your questions, right? Because anybody who listens Was to my show, not an intro? No, no, that was just, hey, it's Matt and Ken. One of them does UI. One of them's very handsome. Matt, that's you. You're the, you're the very handsome one. And, you know, I appreciate I mean, this, that. You know, I mean, so, but here's the real one, right, guys? Everybody who knows me knows I'm a complainer. I'm a whiner. I'm a whiner about the hobby. I whine a lot, right? And I, but the whining comes from, a, from a, a, a place of love. It's the same place Andrew comes from when he tells you almost every episode that he's looking out for the little guy. Right, somebody looking out for the little guy, right? And I talk to you guys about how this hobby is a house of cards, how it's a pyramid, how it's all kinds of craziness, and how you know the, the wrong chain of events could 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 be catastrophic for it. We could lose that bottom. We could lose the the market participants who came in and on be stuck the way we were five years ago, where it was just the same couple of dozen guys, yes, you Nat and friends, who were buying these expensive cards, right? So so. I love the fact that we have all these market participants and I've complained that I, I, we've had people on. And I said, okay, well, who's going to take care of the little guy, right? Who's going to, who's going to fix the eBay problems that I've talked about, right? Who's going to fix the grading problems, right? And I ask these questions and, and I just leave it out there in, in, in the ether complaining, right? But what we have here today, it's a special one. It really is. I mean, you use the word special. It really is because I've talked about the problems with eBay. I've talked about the, the fees. I've talked about all of the different platforms that have a lot of negatives, the, the, the returns that are on there. We've even pivoted towards digital because they don't have the issues with logistics and returns on the whole nine yards. And we talk about like, how do you pay 10, 12 or buyers premium 20% on some of these things? How do you deal with ret- But you know what we got here today, guys? We got somebody who's actually doing something about it and doing something about it with legit cards. And Andrew's right. Take a second. Go on their site. This isn't just, you know, they have some, you know, grading company never heard of base cards from 1990 Fleer being traded back and forth amongst the same three guys. No, this is legit cards. Legit. I'm talking Mickey Mantles, Michael Jordans, you know, PSA 10s up the wazoo, you know, legit sales of cards between 50 and $100,000 many times over. And that's what my slabs is bringing it's it is it is a solution to a problem that we've talked about over and over again so i'm excited to have you on here i'm excited to introduce our audience to this as a tool for them to use because i do believe something like this with one percent fees and limited no backsies and i'll let you guys get into the details of that is a tool that will add people 
to the marketplace and probably keep people here because it provides a, a, a liquidity that nobody else is providing. It provides that sort of, a, you know, you can buy this, sell this and have some security with it. So I'm excited to have you guys on. I don't know if you can tell. I'm excited to have you on today. <laughs> so there's my intro for you guys. Nah. So, I mean, did I do you a service that, you know, tell us how this thing started. Tell us, tell us a little bit about my slabs, either one of you guys. No, I, and, and I appreciate that. And, and really, to be honest, I think you really like almost said without saying, uh, saying it is that this, my slabs actually on, on a very fundamental level, um, it's a business that is really uh, was was kind of founded as very reactionary to a lot of the the pet peeves, you know, of, of people in the hobby, you know, like and I don't want to say, you know, listen, obviously, I don't want to throw eBay under the bus, you know, because eBay has their model. I mean, listen, I, you know, eBay has the liquidity, right? Like, they have the most eyeballs. I mean, like, listen, I, you know, I'm the CEO of my slabs and I use eBay. I buy stuff on eBay. I sell stuff on eBay. Like, so do I. I, I I mean, listen, I, you know, I think that if you're in the hobby and, and, you know, you have to go where the liquidity is and, and, you know, like, I, I think you have to use multiple platforms and, and obviously if, you know, you have to go where the cards are that you want in some cases. And so, you know, we definitely, you know, I would never sit here and say that, uh, you know, that it's, it's my slabs or nothing, you know, type of thing. But, but the truth of it is, I think that there are, are a lot of, you know, um, you know, issues with eBay, you know, kind of that you mentioned, I mean, obviously the fee structure uh, isn't ideal for a lot of folks, you know, especially high velocity folks that want to get in and out of stuff. And, and then of course, all the shenanigans, you know, as far as, uh, you know, non-payers and, and, and just uh, people returning, you know, things for, you know, just for, for illegitimate reasons. And yep. I mean, any, and, and obviously Matt can go much more into that, but the truth of it is, you know, my slabs is really a business founded, you know, very reactionary to all of those things, you know? So well, am I, am I I'm glad, no, I think I, listen, I think you, I'm glad you, you come with a little honesty, right? Because there are two types of businesses, the guys who come in here and say, I'm the best. I don't care that somebody's been around for 20 years. I'm better and I'm going to kill them and I'm going to win and destroy them and blow them out of the water. Or you have somebody who comes in like we had, we had the, the CEO of ComC come in and that company is not going anywhere. That company is doing great, right? That company is doing better than he could probably have ever imagined. And it's because he doesn't take pot shots at eBay. He understands that eBay isn't going to be there. He works with eBay, right? Um, and, and for you to say, look, you know, there's a, there's a there's a platform out there. I still buy on eBay. I buy on eBay. Of course, I bought something on eBay yesterday, right? But here's the thing, right? And, and I think this is an important important distinction, right? And then we'll let Matt get into, you know, the behind the scenes, the you know, the what the return policy is because I know I, I'm putting myself in the, in, the, in the seat of the listeners. That's what they want to hear. What's that limited return? They want to hear. So Matt, get ready. But this week I watch football, right? And I watch Amon Ra St. Brown have a great game. And I watch Duke Johnson go out of the practice squad and have two touchdowns. And I watch the, you know, Brandon Cook show up and have two touchdowns. And I'm watching fantasy. And I say, you know what? I, I, got, I got some Amon Ra St. Brown cards in my basement. And I, I got some Duke Johnson cards. And I got Brandon Cook rookies. I want to sell them. But I know that if I put those on eBay this week and – Someone buys them today at their highs because, wow, Amon Ra St. Brown's going to be the next Jerry Rice today based on yesterday's performances, right? Someone's going to buy it. But then next week, Amon Ra St. Brown doesn't have a catch. Duke Johnson doesn't play because the three Miami Dolphins running backs that were on the COVID list come back and Duke's back on the practice squad. And you know what? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the cards that I sold today have scratches on them. 
the cards that I saw today, <laughs> next week after next week's performance, where Amon Ra St. Brown is not as cool, right? All of a sudden, it's being returned for some sort of issue that's non-existent. That's right. on eBay, right? So maybe there is a world where there are cards that work better on my slams than on eBay. And Matt, talk to me. Talk to me about that no that limited return policy and everything else. Well, it, it, first of all, I'd like to say everybody in the world uses eBay. Um, <laughs> we're not morons. And if you're in this industry, you should be utilizing as many platforms as possible. Uh, it's just, you know, the, the, the main issue with eBay is, you know, that sports cards are an investment. Selling lawnmower parts should not have the same rules as selling sports cards, per se. Um, that being said, um, in regards to the return issue, you're buying graded cards uh, on my slabs, unopened wax, things that really shouldn't have um, any returns on them. The only way you should be get returning those is if they show up and they're destroyed. You know, buyer's remorse, seller's remorse, the things that other platforms are riddled with, we don't tolerate that on my slabs. Um, you know, if you're selling on my slabs, we expect you to honor a sale. If a player goes out, and has three touchdowns and his cards go through the roof, but you do not raise your prices and that card sells, we expect you to ship that to the buyer. There's no cancellation cancellation and relisting. And likewise, as a buyer, you're not returning cards on our platform for remorse. You know, um, It's graded. You, you knew what it was when you were buying it. You knew the risks involved. Um, if you try to do so, you'll be removed so that no other seller will ever have to deal with you again. We just don't tolerate that. There should be very strict guidelines for these types of things. And we think on our platform, we've kind of nailed most of them. I mean, we're constantly evolving and adapting. But for the most part, this site was designed by collectors and investors for collectors and investors. And we're trying to trying to do the greater good. A lot of our customer service uh, issues would kind of, um, you know, the people that have to be removed would, would beg to differ, but they're removed for a reason. Well, I mean, it's kind of got almost like a Facebook group vibe to it, right? At eBay, you can hide, right? right. But you get put on a scammer list on Facebook and you're like, you're a scammer forever, right? I mean, this is, a, you're building a community around it, right? So it's one of those things also where like, you know, people know who's selling that card. And if all of a sudden, you know, they're like, I'm not selling it. That guy just had three touchdowns. Boom, you're gone and the whole world knows. Oh yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, to help get the uh, the platform off the ground, I opened a My Slabs Welcome Forum on Facebook to get the word out. You know, I, I have to thank all my friends here because I guilted all my dealer friends in the beginning to come on board and kind of give this a little bit of credibility for the people that didn't know me um, or us for that matter. Um, but there's over 8,000 people in the welcome forum. It's just, you know, information, um, you know, for beginners that kind of want to see what's going on on the platform who maybe, you know, kind of fringe whether or not they, they trust the site because it was a new site three years ago. Um, people have a hard time kind of buying into anything new. You see it with the grading agencies and so forth. Even with what we promised, for, you know, in regards to the best buyer and seller protection and the lowest fees, people were still extremely hesitant to come on. So we created the welcome form and you're right. You know, when things go sideways um, on site, if somebody's trying to do something kind of scandalous, people know about it awfully, you know, obviously we don't release that information, but just the way social media is, everybody knows about it immediately. So it's, it's very hard to hide. We, we stress accountability. 
Yeah. It's amazing how the hobby polices itself. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just going to say that. I mean, it's exactly what happens is we just have like a whole kind of dynamic that evolves where it actually starts to police itself, which is nice, you know, for us. I mean, um, because it's, it's validation, right? Like it's just, you know, kind of that, uh, at least you're, you're appealing to, you know, um, I, I guess that, you know, the message is getting across and you're appealing to the, to the right people and people value that. You know, you know what interests me? And I think this is a little snapshot of where the hobby's heading. You guys have four categories of things you sell on my slabs. You guys have wax, you have cards, you have comics, and you have digital NFT. And this is peer to peer, right? So like if I have a box of 2018 Prism, I could list it on there. Someone could come in and buy it for me. Uh, you have comics. Comics took off. You have some digital NFT. Talk to us. Has it always been those four categories? And talk to us why those four specifically. Um, well, when I when I came aboard in March, um, basically it was just wax and slab cards. Um, and, uh, I just, you know, to be honest, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think cards and comics are kind of like, uh, peanut butter and jelly, you know, to some degree, right? Like a lot of people collect both. And I mean, I personally collect both. Uh, so I, I, I thought it was, how a, dare you? Um, what's that? Dare you? Uh, <laughs> how dare you? you stay in your lane. That's right. Yeah. Man. You yeah. gotta be a shark or a jet. Shark you can't be a shark and a jet. It doesn't yeah. work that way. I like, the Yankees and the I like the Yankees and the Mets. You didn't <laughs> oh, no. Like oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not as bad as, like, you can't like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Like that. Well, I'm, I'm from Boston, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We have a lot of fun with that one, actually. Matt Ken, are you, from, are you from New York, Ken? Yeah, I'm from Long Island, actually. Yeah, yeah. What about you guys? You guys are from New York? I mean, like, you guys seem like you're from New York. I'm from Philly. He's from Brooklyn. He's from uh, okay. Okay. where Biggie's from. I'm sitting on Long Island myself right now, Ken. Okay. I was going to say, I listen to your show. I feel like I'm listening to, like, Mike and the Mad Dog or something, you know? like We've heard that a few times. Which <laughs> is good. Which is good. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, take yeah. it. I'll but, take Mike uh, and the Mad Dog with Pat McAfee money. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's He's paving away for podcasters, Cage. He's paving away for podcasters, so. We're, uh, but, we're, we're rocking and rolling. But, no, but, I mean, listen. The, the, just shoot, shoot. Yeah, yeah. So, how, so what how I was going to say was – yeah, so I, I thought comics was a natural fit. You know, it's a, it's a very well-established market. I thought it was just a, you know, just a kind of a, an obvious kind of low-hanging fruit kind of way for us to kind of expand, you know, our total addressable market as a company. And uh, and then, you know, obviously the digital and the NFT thing, it was just kind of, you know, it was new, it was it was sexy. And, and uh, you know, uh, I mean, obviously we tried to keep it uh, sports-centric, right? Like, so... You know, we the Panini products, the Tops products, you know, Top Shot, uh, you know, So Rare, the soccer stuff, like really the, the the sports focused stuff. So it's not like people are listing crypto punks and apes, you know, on on my slabs and stuff like that. But you know, we thought it was something that um, you know, it's it's not a big mover for us right now. But you know, maybe if it, if it wasn't, uh, you know, it was fairly lightweight for us to kind of execute on that. It wasn't the worst thing to kind of you know, have a, have a foot in that game and maybe be a little bit of an early actor in that space. Uh, anyway, so, um, so that's, that's how that all happened. I'm curious, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. I know 15 minutes in, we could talk a lot about my slabs, mm -hmm. but I want to go a little edgy. If you were made CEO of Panini Digital tomorrow, right? You, you have all these digital cards on your platform. Panini owns the digital license. What would you do to kind of stimulate growth in that area, right? Because there's a little confusion over Panini Digital, right? You have Duncan Blitz, 
which right. is kind of hanging out over here. Then you have Panini digital cards, which are here, and they're kind of not connected, and the market wants to know. Ken, I'm curious. If you're CEO of Panini Digital, what would you do? I mean, I got to be honest with you. Like, uh, you know, just kind of doing what I do at my slabs, you know, I'm, I handle a lot of the marketing and the advertising. I'm all over social media. I mean, this hobby, uh, you know, I, I think just, I mean, I think it's just the nature of the world that we live in. But, I mean, it's just, you know, everybody's consuming, you know, social media and content on, you know, Spotify, on YouTube and everywhere else. Like, I got to be honest with you. I don't see uh, Panini advertising any of their or anybody for that matter. Maybe Top Shot a little bit, but, you know, certainly not Tops and, and, and Panini doing any kind of real marketing, uh, you know, in, in those areas or at least the places that I go. I mean, maybe they do. I, I haven't seen it if they do. But so if I if I they don't. In, I, Okay. So yeah, I mean, to me, that would be, that would be the most obvious, you know, place to go would be just, you know, kind of get, get in the places where, you know, people that collect the physical stuff are congregating and, and, uh, and consuming content and just get in front of people. I mean, I spend some money and advertise, you know, um, I don't know. That's what I would do. What interests me is here we are, and I'm talking to you guys like collectors, so I think you'll appreciate this. Here we are, I mean, a quarter way through the NBA season, basically halfway done the NFL season, and there's no viable investment product for the players in those leagues. Like if I want to buy Mac Jones cards, what, what am I going to pay for an overpriced Dunruss? You know what I mean? If yeah. I want to invest in Evan Mobley, what am I supposed to do? Like I, I don't want a hoops card. But digital, which could come out way faster, and it came out before, is actually a viable option for investing in your favorite rookies. Am I on to something? Am I crazy? Because I get DMs. We get dozens of DMs, and they're like, well, I like Evan Mobley. I like Mac Jones. I want to invest in those guys, but what product should I buy? Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, to be honest with you, just being someone that, like, is an old school collector, you know, I've, I've been around the card comic hobby for a long time um, and obviously got introduced to the whole digital side of things, like just kind of probably around the same time as everyone else. And, um, you know, I, I think I tried to embrace it. I think, I think a lot of, you know, older school folks, you know, in the hobby there, there's just kind of like an instant kind of like rejection of the whole digital NFT, you know, slash concept where almost they won't even, they can't even get over themselves and get past it to even like, you know, try it for lack of a better term, you know? Uh, but I kind of, you know, just, you know, uh, just really, again, doing market research for my slabs and, you know, it was something we wanted to offer on platform. So I kind of forced myself to kind of like, just get over the hump and just get out there and start getting into some of the stuff. And, you know, I have a Panini uh, Blitz account. Uh, I have a Tops Bunt, you know, account and, you know, I bought a lot of that stuff and, um, you know, I, I mean, after, after, and the top shot as well, you know, and, and to be honest, like after kind of getting my hands dirty with it and just kind of owning it and just kind of being in it a little bit, like I, you know, I get it, you know, and I, to be honest with you, like, I think it's pretty cool. And I, I think there, there's potentially a place for it, but, um, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure if the hobby and the collector base at large is really ready for it, you know, like I, um, and certainly, and certainly on the NFT side, you know, like I, cause I gotta be honest with you, like securing like a crypto wallet and like, you know, transacting, you know, like with these, you know, like, especially on these trading platforms and like all the scams that are out there. Like, I mean, obviously Top Shot is a closed ecosystem, Correct. so like they can kind of control that. But obviously like if you have like, 
you know, sports related NFTs that are able to be traded like on, on the general Ethereum network. Um, you know, like I think there's, you know, a lot of people, you know, that, that, I mean, I think the scams and, 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 and that sort of thing is a real potential headwind, at least in the short term for, for that stuff to, to gain kind of mass adoption. I mean, obviously you know I think people, over digital, Ken, especially what's when that? I do a platform and I see like, I see even blitz and dunk and stuff on your podcast. You know what I think of with digital? I think, you know, everyone who's listening to this has heard a story of somebody who, um, Oh wow! I bought Bitcoin. I have that computer with Bitcoin on it, you know, and and I lost it for a while. I just found it. I found my Bitcoin computer, and and you know, I was buying Bitcoin at like thirty dollars a Bitcoin. Guess what? I'm a millionaire now. So I don't know whether those are true or not, but that's what it's I'm true, doing. Peach. That's why digital. I'm in Bell right now. That's what I'm doing with digital. I'm buying my Panini stuff. I'm buying my Top Shot stuff and my you know my digital dunk and whatnot, and it's just gonna be there. In the hope that maybe ten years from now, they figured out all the scamming and the issues and the liquidity of it. And you know, I look at your site and I see you know there are people selling Top Shot packs. Like that's much tougher. It's a it's a it's a heavier lift for somebody who's a tangible collector to buy that than just click buy it now on a slab because they know they click buy it on a slab and in a couple of days that slab's going to be at their house. Buy a throwdowns pack of Top Shot on your site, and it's like, okay, they have to get with the buyer of it who's going to open it for them, probably on a live, and right. hope that the stuff gets gifted to them through whatever the transfer mechanism. Like, there's a whole to do with it. There's a lot of trust right. involved. Whereas, you know, there's trust involved in cards, but over and over again, that trust is just, hey, I pay, you send me the slab. There's that, that whole gap. My, my hope is that the, those gaps kind of close, and maybe 10 years from now, I'm one of those guys like, oh, I. I remember I had that Panini Dunk account that my son was using, and there's fifteen thousand cards on there. Yeah, maybe I got something, but if it's not, eh, it is it's a lot of cards. Uh, you, guys, of cards. <laughs> you guys know from our our chat before this started that I'm probably the least qualified to talk about any of this stuff, but I am, however, in a lot of the Panini NFT rooms and so forth, just because we have them on site. I like to see what's going on. They should be. Kind of marketing more towards Europe. Europe does not have the same access to cards that we do, and that's the biggest complaint over there. Those guys seem to love the digital stuff, the NFT stuff. It's just, from what I understand, there's no representation over there. Panini tops are not pushing the issue, so these rooms with three to four thousand, you know, collectors, they're just these kind of consolidated, uh, concentrated little areas, and they all say the same thing. There's not enough marketing over there. They love this stuff. If they can figure out how to market more overseas, that stuff would take off, at least I feel. Um, it's not going to be as large, I don't believe, over here where Americans are so big into the physical asset. We have all this stuff at our disposal. But that's my two cents anyway. So we've had Panini on. We've had Brett Bightley on. And uh, they've taken some of my suggestions. But the biggest suggestion I had to make this stuff work, besides marketing, because marketing is a great thing, and they didn't take this one, and they really should have. They have challenges, like Top Shot. You guys will see the challenges. And one of the most recent ones was uh, like kind of like a master challenge. Everybody seems to use Lamello as the master challenge. The Cool Cats was for Top Shot, and they had a – it was a color blast, Lamello, right? And I think they only had like 62 of them total that were made. And I mean, the numbered color blast, I mean, think about that in the tangible world, what that would sell for, Lamello, right. Right? right? right. So you got Lamello color blast number to 62. And what I told them was, I said, you know, you only got 62 people doing this. You should make 62 tangible of that color blast Lamello. 
that matches up with the digital one and send yep. one to everybody who's a holder of the digital oh. of the digital one and let them put it on Instagram. Let them because that's promoting without you having to promote. You know, I'm sure it's yeah. not as easy as running off 62 cards, right? Numbered color best. I'm sure that they're a company. They could figure out how to do it. It would probably cost some money. But think of what they would get in. And if they were doing that once a year, twice a year, whatever it is, on the other big cards, Mac Jones, you know, giveaway up to a hundred, but but tangible. And people, people who are the tangible guys who want that limited, that limited the Lamelo or that limited Mac Jones would have to then go and do the digital, absolutely, yep. in order to get the tangible card. All of a sudden, now you got something. But yeah. nobody free listens con- to me. Free consulting from the big man cage. I nobody mean, listens to me. Some yeah, people yeah. listen, and they and their businesses have done well. So don't say nobody. Some people have listened. So <laughs> yeah. That's Matt, true. can you shed a little light? We've been talking the, the the tangible market's been flat. You get we had KK Sports on right it's group subber and he subs hundreds of thousands of cards and he was able to tell us oh um, you know Juan Soto Topps Chrome had a ninety eight percent gem rate right we always try to add value to our audience because KJ's right I do want the little guy to win the little guy wins I I believe everybody wins um, what cards are you seeing most heavily traded on your platform? To be honest with you, we're seeing diversity like we never have before. The base card market, you guys know, I don't have to repeat it. Uh, it, it fell off the cliff when you know the market kind of corrected itself in spring and summer. What I'm seeing is the kind of the secondary parallels, not the most expensive stuff where the bottom bottom level of collectors can't afford, but people are are buying the next level up. They're not necessarily buying a base card. Uh, they might be buying, you know, a blue refractor, gold refractor. Um, they're clearly trying to get rarer with their their purchases. Um, definitely a little bit more educated as far as what they're buying for the newer guys that bought in in the spike. Um, but there isn't really anything that sticks out as far as that people are just, you know, buying on a weekly basis you get the same go ahead what about baseball where, where are people at with it right because it's such a weird like these are baseball cards but i would say baseball is a distant like fifth right now i think formula one is more popular than baseball <gasps> sorry but. you it used to be <laughs> used to be baseball was dead all winter right you didn't have to worry about it till february march um that being said, with the way the market is now, and as many people that are in the market, I, I think that people are trying to get out ahead of um, the winter slumps. I just sold four blue Mookie Betts refractor autos, uh, gems, the other night, all inside of five minutes. And I had, you know, I showed Ken a screenshot. I had, I think, like 42 offers inside of 20 minutes on my subs, and they were all baseball everything baseball and I sold them for, you know, the going rate. There was, there was no discount. The guy that bought the four blue refractor autos paid top dollar for all four. Um, right now you could expect Juan Soto to be a big seller. Um, Tatis, all the young studs that, you know, have had a little bit of a price drop. I think people are going to start buying them up sooner this year than other years in fear that, um, the, the price is going to get out of hand in spring. This time last year, I bought a Fernando Tatis gold refractor auto gem from MC Sports Cards, if you guys know him, for $18,000. Who doesn't know MC at this point? 
he actually moved down the street from me from like out of nowhere. It was weird. <laughs> well, so, I, by yeah. judging his collection, he's going to have a house in every state. Yeah. So. He's moved down the street from everyone. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, you know, I bought that for 18000 last winter around this time. I sold it in March for 38000 and they hadn't played a lick of baseball yet. I think people are afraid that's going to happen and it probably will on several players. So you're going to see earlier purchases in the winter this year. Um, you I see got more a theory baseball. on baseball about baseball making oh. a comeback. And you're ready okay. for this one? Cage, cage bombs on Monday. This is incredible. Before your summer yeah, too. It's Monday morning. So it's a cage bomb. So, so, and it, it ties back to, um, to what we just talked about with not being able to invest in season. Right. So here you talk about yeah. Mac Jones. Right, you can't buy him because you're not Mac Jones. You didn't buy his prism, right? You can't buy his prism because Mac Jones is not there. You want to invest in him in the beginning of the year, you couldn't because the prism's not out. Hell, his mosaic wasn't even out, right? Um, you want to invest in basketball, but you can't buy an Evan Mobley card. You can't even get a hoops yet. You know what I mean? Like, and and when's prism going to come out? Who the hell knows? Well, here's what's funny: in baseball, right? Baseball tops they don't come out with their card usually until the guy's already playing so people are kind of used to that in baseball right the update comes out after the guy's in the season hell you know the the, the Juan DeFranco was up this year rookie of the year basically and he's not even about until next year's cards his rookie won't be out so people in baseball cards are kind of used to that and I think it, it hurt it hurt baseball the pace of the game hurt baseball. You know, the, the, the fact that it was a four-hour game and today's collector has a five-minute attention span, that all hurt baseball. But what was helping the other sports were that you could invest in the young players during the year with the right card for them, right? You were able to buy that that Zion while he was playing and trade that Zion. You were able to buy that Luca while they were playing. You were able to buy that Mahomes. You were able to buy those guys while they were playing. You can't do that now with basketball and, and football anymore. Right, so that advantage that basketball and football had over baseball, it's not there anymore. But you know what baseball has? Because they knew about tops, they have a legitimate not hoops, they have the first Bowman card and first Bowman autos of these young guys. So baseball has something that now basketball and football have lost. Right? Yeah. If there's a rookie this year who you think is gonna be great and you want to get in on that rookie ahead of time before the call-up, there is a legit investment vehicle you can use for that baseball rookie, for that prospect. P- people are big on prospecting. Baseball might be right now the viable prospecting investment sport. So no, that's that, my thought on baseball. That, that's a good point. And base prices have come back down because typically the guys that go and buy base cards, you know, midseason, if you were to do that to Fernando Tatis during the spike, I think his base PSA tens hit like 700 bucks for his 2016 Bowman Chrome. I had boxes and boxes of stuff I had to dig through just to find these stupid things because I used to break cases galore and I'd put all my base cards away. I think they hit like 700 bucks or something like that. But now they've come back down, not just him, everybody else. And it's true. You can, you can go back if, you know, this rookie that wasn't getting a lot of attention before, you know, call up, look at Randy Rosarena last year, you know, you could go and pick up base cards. Those were available, you know, and he's not the greatest example because he's a little older. Why doesn't he? Because he wasn't I, drafted, I don't think. <clears throat> I think he came I, over... I think, yeah, international, right? Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, to your point, you're right. There is kind of a um, lower budget fallback for baseball. Yeah, and I think I think just the path to the pros in baseball is a lot 
you know, I think it's, it's longer in a lot of ways, you know, than, than like say basketball and football, you know? So I think that, uh, you know, it just, it just gives, you know, I mean, people, you know, obviously baseball cards, you know, for certain guys get out of control before these guys even get close to the majors, you know, for, for, it, for, right? for years at a time, sometimes. <laughs> You're a Yankee guy. Think about it. What if, what if Jason Dominguez, if he has such a great spring that they're, they're talking about Dominguez maybe coming up this year and he's young, but you know, maybe, maybe he plays this year, right? He doesn't have a tops card, right? If that, but you, he has more Bowman cards than anybody I've ever seen for a 12-year-old, right? Yeah. So th- there are legit investment vehicles where you could invest in him coming into the season and have that card and be right on him, whereas the other sports don't have that right now. Yeah. You're not going to be right on, on you know, Evan Mobley at all right now with what a prism draft card nobody wants that everybody knows you know that that's just you know that's a, it's a silly card that as soon as anything else comes out the value tanks on it um yeah. so baseball's it's an interesting thing right yeah. you know if they find a way to make the games less than you know seven hours long and clippable and put them on instagram you know home run derby it or something like that you know it, it could have a resurgence shoot man. Well, well tops beats it to death too right as far as prospecting now you might have four four years of you know a prospect card before they ever hit the majors so there's plenty right. of avenues there um to invest in you know in a different level so you're right what's the fix for that like college cards like what what's the uh what's how do, how do you how do you how do you set up a mechanism to be able to speculate on these basketball football guys uh like the baseball guys well it's funny you should say that because now with the nil and those deals you're actually going to be able to invest in these guys and then and but that won't happen now but i mean when mikey williams makes the nba he's probably gonna have 50 cards you saw tops now just did a set of, of him you know the overtime elite guys when the, when those guys come out there will be a potential viable investment tops card for them Right. You know, yeah. so the, the the landscape is changing. It really is. Uh, if they if they really are serious about selling, you know, prospect cards in other sports, they'll they'll probably have to switch up the jersey issue. You know, Bowman kind of switched to major league uniforms a long time ago because the cards sell better, right? Yeah. There's this kind of stigma in sports cards that people don't like to invest in college jerseys for whatever reason. They may want to address that if that becomes a thing. Well, well, it's alienating, right? Like if I invest in a player with Georgia Bulldogs, but I'm from Pennsylvania, I don't want to rep Georgia. Right. <laughs> no, seriously, okay, it's simple, but like, think about that. I don't want to rep Georgia. Why would I? Well, Bama, roll tide. No, I just like Jalen Hurts. I don't like Bama, roll tide. I want to ask you guys something. When you guys heard the Fanatics news, you guys are collectors. Well. I'll go to Matt first, then Ken. What was your take? What was your feeling? What was the vibe when you heard the Fanatics news? Well, I heard a lot of um, kind of background noise with it. So, granted, they have a ton of time to straighten out any issues and kind of make a roadmap here. But my immediate thought was if they did not buy Tops or did not buy Panini, there would be a few issues. If you can't provide continuity, of some sort in this industry and just kind of cut everything off at a certain point, you're going to alienate a lot of collectors um, that were used to collecting a certain way before, right? The Bowman Chrome collectors, if there's no more Bowman Chrome, if it has to be something else, um, Panini Prism, anything like that. My gut reaction was that, you know, they're just creating a monopoly and we'll be able to do whatever they want and dictate or try to dictate how people collect and where they collect, where they buy. It was, I didn't have a favorable reaction, but the reality set in that these guys have years to test the market, 
and do what they have to do, create a roadmap that's going to work for everybody because they're not just thinking about the people that are in the industry now. They're thinking about the people, you know, the millions of people they're trying to draw in. So gut reaction was it wasn't great for the industry, but let's see how it plays out. They have all the money in the world to play with, right? Ken? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me it was, um, you know, kind of kind of neutral. You know, I, I think they're, um, you know, again, I mean, it just, any, you know, anytime it's just a byproduct of just like a really hot space and, and you just kind of new money, you know, coming in in a big way to, you know, a space that is maybe hot. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it definitely, uh, I mean, I don't particularly think there was anything broken, you know, with the way things were at the time. So like anytime somebody comes in to try to maybe not necessarily fix, but like to try to, you know, kind of disrupt a space that isn't necessarily broken and, and also a space that's got a lot of heritage and decades of history and, and, and a collecting base that's got a ton of passion. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, you know, there, I saw it as kind of disrupting or, you know, making an attempt to disrupt something that doesn't necessarily need disruption. So like, I, I, I just, my initial reaction was, um, you know, negative in that way. Uh, but, you know, to Matt's point, I mean, obviously they have all the money in the world uh, to, to get the best and brightest, you know, talent and, um, you know, longer term, you know, can they grow the size of the hobby and bring in a lot of new folks and, um, you know, have Super Bowl commercials for cards and, and things like that and like really grow the hobby in that kind of a way. Um you know, so that that could be a good thing. And so I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind. So that kind of balances out, you know, maybe some of the short term challenges that, that I see. There's that neutral cage. You are chomping at that bit. You're moving in your seat. The soda's kicking in. Well, I've never really given my like, like take on like the fanatic oh. stuff. I mean, we talked well, about let's it. Hear it. You know what's funny about it? I mean, if, I, if I'm being honest, it, <clears throat> we've now talked to a lot of people about fanatics. And I even talked to a card store owner. I've never been in that card store before this week, uh, a couple miles further than I usually would travel for cards. I just dropped my daughter off for ice skating. And, oh, look at this. There's a card store. You know, you always have to find the local card stores, right? So, you know, I went in. I was actually talking to him about Fanatics. My take on Fanatics is pretty straightforward, I think. It's everybody who is mad about the hobby now thinks Fanatics is going to fix it. And everybody who's happy about the way the hobby is now yep. thinks Fanatics is bad. And the ultimate answer is, for the people who think Fanatics is going to fix everything, they're going to be slightly disappointed and slightly happy. And for the people who think that the Fanatics is going to kill their gravy train, they'll also be slightly upset, but slightly happy. I don't think it's going to move the needle one way or the other. For the distributors out there and the breakers out there, who have figured out a way to get all of the product and squeeze every bit of profit out of it for the last couple of years. The breakers who are getting everything they want from the distributors and the distributors who are charging whatever they want because the breakers are still breaking it and there's just profit flowing in. Should they be a little concerned about Fanatic's direct model? Sure. But is it really going to kill them? No. Right? There might be some consolidation in that industry. You know, the bigger ones might, uh, you know, might prevail. But is it going to kill the distribution model? I don't think so. Is it going to kill breaking? No. Should should everyone be breaking? Probably not. You know, might it kill the people who only break the blasters that they bribe the target 
a Walmart guy to get, sure, they might not have uh, too bright of a future. But for those <laughs> LCSs, right, who are also complaining, and they say, you know what, the distributors have killed us, and we can't wait for Fanatics because I'm going to be able to buy as much product as I want from them, and I'm going to be able to get as many things as I can because Fanatics can come straight to me. I think they're also wrong. You know, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I mean, maybe they maybe they'll be able to get a little more, or maybe they'll have you know a better model that doesn't rely on them you know, paying distributors, you know, through the nose or being under thumb of the distributors like a lot of these local guys are now. But ultimately, I think there's going to be room for everybody in it and and no one's going to be as happy as they think they are. No one's going to be as upset as they think they are. The continuity thing is an interesting thing, Matt, because that's an old style collector view. That's me too. It's like, oh man, you know, I'm going to buy gold cards because everybody buys gold, right? And I want to buy my Mookie Betts gold paper because what I only have a trout gold paper and I want to have the same thing over and over again. And you know what happened when I, when I thought that way, I got killed because everybody bought Chrome. Everybody bought chrome gold instead of paper gold, the continuity. And I, I look back at this, and that was my initial thought on it, too. Like, they need to buy up a deck, or they need to buy tops, and they need to buy panini. But this is not the first time this has happened, and it probably won't be the last, right? I mean, people were probably quite upset in, you know, 08, 09, when that was going to be the end of upper deck for basketball. It was going to be, you know, and you're not going to get exquisite anymore? Oh, my goodness. You know, the, people love Exquisite. How, how can we live in a world with no Topps, Exquisite? And Topps Chrome came out with one of the most fire designs ever. We're right that 2008 is, is a gorgeous card. I mean, and how, you know, and then Topps is gone and Panini's there, right? I mean, how are you going to survive in football when, when Topps is not making football cards anymore? I mean, come on, we got, we got. Uh, Johnny Unitas to Jim Brown to to Jerry Rice and Joe Montana all the way through. You know how can how can we not have a world where Tops is making the football cards? But now the kids who collect and the people who collect are are great buying their their Prism homes, right, or their national treasures. So you have to go back, and we are in a moment here. Those couple of years where. It's the same thing that it was. And, you know, there was a little overlap and there'll be some overlap, right? Where where in 2012, people had the option to buy that Russell Wilson Chrome or that Russell Wilson Prism. And I'm sure, you know, looking back now, you got you got some that like each one of them, right? But at the time, probably people were like, oh, this Prism. Well, I don't want to buy this Prism. Look, at I got Chrome for everybody else in my collection. But that changes. And I, I think it'll change going forward as well. Because it just always has. It's no, a it's, it's, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Just, 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 just to re, you know, kind of echo that. Uh, that's a good point, you know, because obviously Matt, you know, even when Matt made his point that you know they should buy tops, they should buy Panini, and you know, you can't imagine a world without you know Panini Prism basketball or football. But you know, hey, it's only been around since 2012, so like this happened before, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and now I mean, we're talking baseball. about them. Is like you can't be. You, what, what would the yeah, hobby be without right. that? Yeah. Yeah, give Matt a chance, I, I, Cage. Give Matt a chance to rebut. No, uh, I would say it is slightly different with Tops, though, right? They've been around since 1951. They've produced just about everything. Vintage, you know, is 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 Tops. It's Bowman. Bowman was eventually obviously bought out by Tops. I do believe if they don't buy Tops, there will be a disruption. But I don't think for a minute that it won't correct itself. You know, give it two or three years, and people will be back in. But I absolutely know from being at the ground level with collectors, in particular in the Facebook forums, listening to what's being said, it's not even just, you know, old jerks like myself. Um, the young kids that have been buying tops updates, like you know, <laughs> the parallels. 
it, it's just if you slam the door on something that's been the industry standard forever, and granted, there's going to be some overlap with the the uh, the contracts that uh, Fanatics holds. You, it just won't be business as usual, at least not in my opinion. Um, so I love because it, I love that analysis, right? Because but here's the thing: what 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 sells the most on your site? Basketball. Probably not, probably not baseball, right? And what sells the most in the world? Probably not baseball. Basketball. Who do, who do kids want? Probably not baseball. And you're right. right. Tops has been around forever, and Tops has basically been the worst at it. Um, you know, they have a legacy business, and yeah, they've been great. And yeah, everybody loves Mickey Mantle, and everybody loves you know uh, all the Tops cards that are out there. But if I'm Panini, if I'm Fanatics, Tops would be the last one I want to buy because even though they have this 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 great IP and they have this great stuff. They're basically running their business, you know, into the ground here. I'm sure they're making money, but probably mostly on bazooka. But, but I guess my point on it is, I wouldn't buy them because you're right. They might be slamming the door on the the people who have invested in Bowman Chrome Autos and people who have done that. I doubt that because you know anybody who thinks like that, it's a little short minded, right? When when basketball tops Chrome came and people wanted to buy Kobe, they didn't say, "I'm not buying these Kobe cards." Because my Michael Jordan is an 86 Fleer. Like, you know, I'm sure at the time there was thought like that. But think about that with a wider lens. And remember what you thought, right? You, you thought, I'm going to be open-minded here. And Ken said the, the same thing, too. And, and the LCS, I was in the same thing. When Fanatics announced this, they plan on tripling the amount of people in the industry. Yep. Right? So they, I'm sure they're worried about the people you're talking to who want Bowman Chrome to have a continuity and buy Bowman Chrome because they've always bought Bowman Chrome. I'm sure they have that. I'm sure they have that in mind and they want to care about that person. But I think the overarching thing that they're doing, and they're not putting money in to take care of the people who have been here forever. Yep. They didn't spend what they spent to keep tops continuity and keep that money. They spent that money because yeah, we'll, we'll try to take care of that guy, but you know how we're going to take care of that guy. We're going to take care of that guy by bringing in our fanatics products and bringing in our people that bring four times as many people buying yep. our future project products, and those people are going to want to look back at the Bowman. You know, they'll buy your guy's stuff. We'll take care of your guy because we're going to have now four times as many people in the hobby looking to buy the cards that they're trying to sell. That's how I think they take care of those people. It's not oh, yeah. slamming the door on them, and it doesn't work if they don't do that, right? I mean, it, it, that's what's being promised. So, uh, and and to be clear, I wasn't say I didn't mean slamming the door on the the collector and the investor. I just meant on the products. I have this this argument with people, and I take your stance. Fanatics is not looking two years down the road; they're looking ten to twenty years down the road. So, in particular, with the way the their contracts are lapped with NBA and MLB, they have time to figure it out. Um, and I, again, I don't think it would be kind of a detriment. To them for a long time but there might be a two or three year kind of correction correction period there in the beginning where people need to learn you know the values in the new stuff where, where so, they need to learn what the hierarchy of the new cards are going to be i'll ask a question we'll slam the door on this topic and get back to my slams for you because we want to we want to trumpet your stuff right but i love this topic because to just get people going right as a lawyer i'm not supposed to ask questions i don't already know the answer to but i'm going to do it anyway it'll be a fun exercise what are two cards in each of your collections that you just don't want to sell. They're the ones like, you know, the cards that you have in your collection that when somebody comes over who you're thinking about getting into the hobby, you want to show them, you know, that's your piece. That's the, Hey, look at this cool thing. It's like art or look at this cool thing. It's like, this is, this is the one that I want to be buried with my casket card. Shoot. Give me two cards. I have a 98 essential credentials, Cal Ripken jr. Numbered to nine PSA 10 pop one. Uh, I would sell it, but I don't want to, you know, you don't find essential credentials, 
in the single digits and you certainly don't find them in PSA tins. The other is I have the four Bowman Chrome printing plates for Mookie Betts Prospect Autos, the set of four. So that's technically not one card, but you can't find, people don't like printing plates, but you can't find superstar sets together. And I happen to be a huge Betts fan and that was difficult to accomplish. So that would be my two. All right. Ken? And uh, for me, these were actually relatively recent pickups for me, but they literally check every box, and, and I foresee myself being buried with these. Um, but, You're at the 42 uh, punks and the 42 apes, you know. <laughs> no, I don't know any punks. I wish I did, but... Can't uh, be buried with a punk. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, but I was... Um, you just take your whole... iPhone, Cage. <laughs> battery, battery will die. Can't access it. In the sorry, sorry, Ken. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, go. <laughs> so I was a uh, the the whole Lakers Celtics rivalry in the eighties. Um, that actually made me a basketball fan uh, at the time. I mean, I'm forty. I'll be forty six in like a week. Uh, so I was ten years old, and you know the mid eighties, and you know just getting into sports at the time, and um, you know the whole Lakers Celtics rivalry. Like I, you know, I lived in New York, or what have you, but I. I love Magic Johnson. I became a Lakers fan at that time. Uh, just, you know, every year when, you know, the schedule will come out, I would mark on my calendar the two games that they would play the Celtics. And, like, I just, you know, I lived for that stuff at that time. And um, so uh, basically recently I, I picked up um, the uh, a 2012 Prism uh, Gold Magic Johnson, uh, uh, the number to 10. And alongside that, I was actually able to uh, get my hands on a 2012 uh, green prism Larry Bird, which makes like a really great uh, color match, you know, the green prism. So, you know, the gold, the gold magic with the green bird side by side and um, on my bookcase right now, it just every day I look at those cards, man, like I just, you know, it gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling like it's it's I don't know, man, like that's to me, that's what it's all about. And it just, it really like, I mean, they're beautiful cards, you know, the magic especially is rare. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't uh, cheap. Um, the bird I got for a song on eBay, but, uh, uh, but the point is that it just, you know, it, it's nostalgic, you know, they're beautiful cards and uh, yeah, man, like that's, it, it well, this is why I don't ask questions. I don't know the answers of Matt gave me a window to work with, right. With the essential credentials, right. That was, I was, I, we started off one for one with the answers because that's, that's not, currently licensed i mean it's a skybox card right so the card you're taking to your grave with you is a card that you know it's not current it's not the current nba license right it's not it's not panini it's not prism it's not you know national treasures and it's not it's not tops you know what i mean it was it was licensed at the time but it's not tops right and you know that was the first card you named you ken i swore you were gonna go magic bird rookie for tops basketball and when you win your whole magic bird thing i swore you were gonna go you know the 81 tops but you didn't you know with and, the scoring kings on there god and and to be honest like it, it when i was when i bought the um you know the gold magic it was actually in the recent pwcc premier auction um like i, I was i was deciding whether or not i was gonna you know with that same kind of budget i could either buy the, a psa 9 bird magic rookie Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, you know, go with the magic. And I already had the green bird, you know, to go with it. But, you know, the, the, I just, you know, I, I made a decision um, 
you know, really it was, uh, you know, the population thing, you know, so I, you know, obviously it's, it's, you know, a 25 K card is that's real money to me, you know, maybe yeah. not some people, but to me, that's a lot of money. So, uh, you know, yeah, uh, and there's 10 of those in any condition that's 600 and change of the PSA nines. I get right. You. Exactly. The point exactly. of course is, you know, even that tops card for magic bird, an iconic card that basketball is not tops license. So who knows what's going to happen? That's my thought on the fanatics. People grail cards, Michael Jordan, Fleer, 86, you know, uh, PSA 10, like that, you know, your, your Joe Montana rookies, your Jared Rice rookies. These were cards that were licensed at the time. They were the card at the time, but they're right. not now that stuff okay. changes and you'll have grails and people are going to have grails. Like you, when fanatics takes over, you're still going to hold that magic Johnson card out as a grail, but you know what? There will be a whole new world. Maybe right. my son, maybe your kids who are like, you know, whatever the hell the fanatics product is going to be whatever they do that's shiny and mirrory and chromey or has actual game used stuff in it you know this is one of the cool things about this hobby you know we 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 kind of are you know we're very flexible we're we're nimble right you know that's actually that's actually a really good point because i mean listen let's face it i mean 2012 you know panini like you know magic and bird were long retired at that point you know, yep. so it's, it's, you know, I mean, who's to say that they won't like, a you know, obviously 2012 is the first year prism, you know, it's got some, you know, importance as a set. Who's to say that there won't be a, a first year fanatics, you know, magic and bird version. That's like an awesome looking card, short printed that, you know, I won't be uh, falling over myself to get my hands on, you know, so well, it's a good point. We have, we have this conversation all the time and I, I, I stress to people these, you know, I could be completely wrong. Fanatics could just knock it out of the park from day one, and it would just be absolutely amazing for the industry. Um, I could be completely wrong. It's it's just you kind of try to forecast what's going to happen. I can't. I, you know, I don't know. Um, if they find a way to get my Panini Redemptions for Panini, that would be great. <laughs> because my 2012-2013 certified Kobe Bryant auto just hasn't come in the mail yet. Uh, you know, that would be great. But again, it's it's. I'm keeping my expectations kind of tempered. I don't know what's going to happen. You try to project. I don't think anybody really knows. They could knock it out of the park and I could be dead wrong. Ken, I'll start with you and Matt, and this is my, my last question for you guys. Uh, go ahead. I apologize for cutting you off. No, no, just before we leave that topic altogether, just a funny tidbit uh, on the Magic card is that uh, that was actually Dave Owens is the one that consigned that to PWCC. So, hmm. like, Dave and I, we work together every day, and, you know, we're, we're, we're friends, and we talk all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen it in his case. It shows, you know, and, and I've always said to myself, I'm like, ah, you know, like, at some point I'll try to, maybe if I sell one of my apes, like I'll pick it up from Dave or something like that at some point. Like it was always in the back of my mind to do something. And, and then all of a sudden one day, like, it, but I never said anything, you know, right? Like I never said it. And then all of a sudden one day he was just like, oh yeah, you know, I, I consigned a couple of cards to uh, the PWCC auction. I said, oh, which ones? And sure enough, it was that one. So, it was, so it's uh, a Kobe certified auto. That's what the one you're looking for. Kobe certified auto. Matt. Me? Yeah. yeah, I have quite, I have quite a few older redemptions stuck at Panini, but I, I uh, have a 2012-2013 certified Brian Auto number to ten that they. Ooh, that's that nice. They, yeah, that they have opened and shut. You know the the case on now. I don't know how many <laughs> times, and and they won't respond to anything either. So. That's not, not a lot of easy hope That's not an easy auto to get right now. No, uh, not at all. I'm sure they have some stickers left. But let's talk a little projecting grading. I'll start with you, Ken, then go to Matt, then, then wrap with Cage. Um, it used to be BGS was the number one. Then BGS 9.5 was close to PSA 10. I got to commend SGC, what they've done. Uh, they've done an amazing 
kind of run this last year to really solidify themselves as a player in the in the modern market. They've always been vintage. Uh, what do you guys see with grading? Uh, why is there such a big vig between PSA and VGS? How did that arise, and do you think that's going to continue moving forward? Curious to hear your take, Ken. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think that I think part of it is is like you know, you want a card in your in your on your mantelpiece, you want it to be a ten, right? You don't want it to be a nine and a half. I mean, even if they're both called gem mint, I think there's a lot of people that want that ten. I mean, there's something about that nine and a half that like makes it feel like it's it's kind of lacking, you know, in some way. I mean, even though like we all know that a you know a PSA ten could be anywhere from you know a, a BGS nine to a you know ten pristine, but it's uh, on any given day, you know. But it's uh, I mean I think that's definitely part of it. Um, but I don't know, you know. I, I mean I think personally, like I think there's a lot of like when I when I buy like PC stuff, a lot of times like I'll just take like a buy the card as opposed to buy the grade approach. And I feel like there's a lot of value to be had in like buying BGS gems and SGC gems. I mean, a lot of cards, you know, that I have, you know, in my PC or a BGS and SGC just because, you know, and I, I just, I see it as kind of like, uh, I don't know, almost like an arbitrage, you know, opportunity in some cases, if you have a good eye and you can buy the card, I think there's opportunities there, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think a PSA, I mean, again, aside from the fact that it's, it's a 10 and not a nine and a half, I mean, maybe there's a, a brand, you know, recognition there, you know, people are paying for the brand name. Maybe there's an element of that. Um, I don't know. Cause where it surprises me. And I, I agree with everything you said there is with the Jordan Fleer card. So with the Jordan Fleer 86 to me, a nine five is what it was like $80,000, 90,000, depending on the subgrades where a PSA 10 is like 380. And honestly, a lot of nine fives look better than the tens on PSA, but yet people still reach for those tens. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to watch it unfold. Yeah, Anything I mean, you want to add, Matt? Well, the industry has a lot of monkey see, monkey do, right? So people tend to follow the leader. PSA has the set registry, um, you know, for the, for the really elite collectors, which is basically, a, you know, an ego stroke for a lot of those guys. So it starts there. And really, it started a few years ago, um, you know, in the Facebook forums of people promoting PSA as being the tougher gem and they should be commanding a bigger premium. I mean, look at PSA 1010s, you know, with the 10 auto grade. Those cards are like four, five, six times a BGS gem without breaking a sweat. Why? <laughs> you know, if you're buying a PSA 10, shouldn't you assume that auto is a 10 anyway? Why does that, you know, the 10 auto make it that much more money? So I'd say that it's, a, it, it's kind of a lot of follow the leader, but really, um, BGS hasn't done anything to help themselves in the last year and a half, two years. You mentioned SGC. SGC is growing by leaps and bounds. And the more modern basketball they put in their products, um, you know, the better they do. We've seen the, the gaps closing value-wise on site and out in the wilderness. Um, they're more mainstream. They're more acceptable amongst, amongst the modern crowd. BGS has just kind of remained dormant. PSA, obviously, you know, had a huge undertaking this year with Nat and uh, Cohen buying buying them and putting all the money towards them. SGC is, you know, making pushes. BGS has just kind of shut its doors and isn't really doing anything. You don't hear much from them. If you go search eBay right now, 2021 BGS and filter sports cards, there isn't a lot on there. There isn't a ton of stuff where you can go PSA, SGC, 
and there's tens of thousands of guards out in the population. So right now it comes down to, you know, BGS just isn't helping themselves out a ton. Cage, any final words before we wrap? Yeah, man. I mean, listen, monkey see, monkey do is huge in everything we do. I mean, Ken talks about his apes. It's a perfect example. Monkey see, monkey do, right? <laughs> but in all honesty, think about that for a second, right? It's um, collectors are a different breed. And it doesn't really matter what the collector is, what, you know, what you're collecting, right? I mean, look at the most recent Yeezys. I mean, you have to be a lunatic to actually wear those shoes, Right. I mean, they look ridiculous, but yet everybody in that community wants them. Right. Because that's what people want. And there's something to be said about, you know, you want what other people want. I say it all the time, Andrew. Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. Right. That's the soul asylum lyric. Right. So. so, And and really, this is what we're talking about here. Right. We're, we're, We're talking about that. Michael Jordan is the best example you, you have, right? Because are there ones in SGC 10 holders that are as nice or nicer than some of the PSA 10s? Sure. Are there ones in BGS 9.5 holders that are as nice? Probably, you know, but in our world, the registry mat is a perfect example. In our world, in collecting world, you know, there are, there are levels to it, right? And there are tickets to the dance and there are different, layers of tickets right you can get into the show but you want to sit orchestra you know you want to sit courtside you know where do you want to sit right and that michael jordan in a psa 10 which is an unimprovable version of the car which is what you were talking about ken that is a ticket to the dance now there's a vip room where the three people with the bgs 10s are going to sit and look down on those 319 psa 10 guys right so there's levels to this there are always levels but right now, PSA is doing a very good job of marketing that 10, right? When you, you know, when, when, when you rate yourself, Andrew, because you do this all the time. I, I've seen you. Sometimes you don't turn the camera off after the show and you're, you're in the mirror and you do, <laughs> you're doing this, you're doing this, and you say, I'm a 10, I'm a 10. You don't say, look at me, look at me, I'm a 9.5. You don't I'm a PSA 6, <laughs> but if I was in a BGS <laughs> case, I would be pristine is what I say. <laughs> I'm a 10, you know, like you do this whole thing, you flex into the mirror, right? And that is, there. there's a lot to be said there, man. There really is. And PSA has it. It's a clean label. Everybody's in it right now. It wasn't always that way. It might not always be that way. And there's definitely people who aren't catching up. I'm not talking about the Willy Wonka factory that remains closed down in Texas. I am talking about other folks, right? So I, I, I hear what you're saying. I love the buy the card, not the holder. But here's the problem with that. You have to know what you're buying. And people who want to buy at some point exit, not your PC, not that card I'm taking to the grave, not your Mookie Betts, you know, printing plates, right? Or your magic and bird cards, right? Because you like those because that's me. I have a story. That's a nostalgia. But for the people who are buying Juan Soto right now to sell Juan Soto this year, the people who are buying these cards and prospecting on the people who are looking to flip, which by the way, is like 85% of our market. Right now, PSA has that down. They have those guys because people know that that's going to be the way to maximize your money. When you yeah, buy I mean, a PSA you're, slab, you're going to sell it for the most. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're flipping, you know, uh, you got to buy the grade. You know, I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, unless, unless, I mean, listen, unless you have a great eye and you're going to crack them, right? I mean, it's funny, you know, I mean, you guys, you said before, you know, there, there are cards in the BGS gem cases and SGC you know, gem cases that are nicer than the PSA 10s, you know, the Jordan cards, you know, I mean, there's probably some in PSA 9 cases that are nicer than some of the 10s too, you know, but uh, I mean, if you got a good eye and obviously you want to play the crack game, I mean, that's certainly, you know, a thing, but 
you know, uh, when I say buy the buy the card, not the grade. I mean that's definitely for PC stuff specifically, you know. And if you're if you're looking to invest, like you said, man, it's it's you know you gotta be you gotta be aware of the grade and uh, and the grading company too, for that matter. Um, thousand percent. And just I know it's been long, but can we spend like two minutes just on on the my slab process? If there's somebody out there listening, right? So so guys, if there are people listening who have never even heard of my slabs and they want to sign up for my slabs, do us a favor, just kind of walk through what the sign up is like, what they do, how you sell, how you buy, just kind of like a walkthrough kind of tutorial for the last couple of minutes of the show here on my slabs with people where they can sign up, what they need to do. You know, did they send the cards to you? No, right? They're shipping. So let's just walk through kind of like a whole thing for the for, for new people who are interested. If you don't mind, take it, take it away, Matt. Okay. So if you're a new user or kind of on the, the fence about whether or not you want to use this in order to create an account, you would need to log on to myslabs.com. There is a big start here icon at the top of the main page where you can create an account, apply to sell your application gets sent to our application department. And we do screen all sellers um, right then and there. So you're not getting on. If you have no sales history on, you know, anywhere, um, or if you've had problems in the past, part of the, our uh, allure is we have such deep hobby connections. We know a lot of the names that are no-goes as soon as they, they come in the application process. So we screen out any bad apples. So after reviewing the application, which typically is done within, you know, an hour to two hours, you'll receive an email notification whether you've been approved, denied. If you've been denied, there there might be uh, reasons due to like lack of feedback history on eBay, on you know, in the Facebook forums. And there's some suggestions there as to what you can do to kind of get yourself moved along in the process. From there, if you are approved to sell, you know, just click the little camera icon in the, in the toolbar. It's extremely easy to upload, but we stress picture quality. People think we're being jerks, but picture quality is a must. And if you're taking beautiful pictures of refractors and so forth, those do sell faster. You know, if you have pictures with your feet or your dog in the picture, you know, it's going to get deleted. You might get it, receive an email saying, hey, kind of clean up because we provide examples in the seller's application. If of there's a picture made. of your dog with your picture, I want the dog and the picture when I buy the card. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> That is what I said to one guy that had his dog in the picture. I said, I'm going to buy this card. I want that dog because it's in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> he removed the dog. So, uh, Does that mean, out. by the way, that I have to take somebody's feet? Because I don't know if I want that. Those, like, the, I'll that, take the card. Are some people, girls, some people might put their wives that. in the picture. I don't know how many people <laughs> own glass tables <laughs> with cards on them and bare feet. There's no need of that. Just have a, you know, be a little conscious about what you're uploading. Good pictures do sell faster. If you're taking a picture in a closet with no light on, nobody's going to buy your card. Um you can take a look at our free sales archive. We have up to the second, you know, sales posted in our free sales archive. Not only is that a free sales archive, but it's not like other platforms. If the card does not get paid for within our 24 hour payment window, the card is removed from the sales archive and automatically relisted in the feed for the seller where the buyer's account is deactivated. We want our sellers getting paid, paid fast, and we want our buyers getting their items shipped fast. So log in, check out the, you know, the terms and conditions for the, you know, the buying and sellers. And you know, that's about it. 
We do have some big it. things coming down the road too for you guys, but we can't talk about those. Understood. Create an account, guys. It's free. I've told, told you guys this. Or sealed wax, right? Slabs only. Or sealed wax. What's that? Currently, currently we only have slabs. Um, and before anybody asks, we only allow the products specifically listed in the drop downs. So if you just started a grading company yesterday, your product is not going to be listed in the drop down. It's nothing personal, but we are a no return website and we need to see a history of consistency and reliability before opening the floodgates to these new grading agencies. You guys know for a fact, some of these new players have significant issues right now that can wreak havoc on our customer service center and kind of kill our, our reputation of our no return policy or limited return policy. So no offense, only add what's listed in the drop downs for now. Well, I'll say if you're a new grading company, understand that product market fit takes time, adoption takes time, don't rush, do the things right. And eventually all of these marketplaces will come to you asking you to have their cards on there. Right. You, you can't force growth in this industry. You guys know that. It has to kind of come naturally at acceptance. People are contrarian by nature. They're used to what they're used to. They want to sub with who they want to sub with. And, you know, anything new that pops up in the industry usually is frowned upon for a while. We went through our growing pains and we legitimately were offering the best protection for buyers and sellers on the planet, I feel. And we were doing it at a huge discount. We were offering to put more money in your pocket. People still still really didn't want to use us. A, a lot of people were very hesitant to using us. And now that we're a little more mainstream, we have 40,000 accounts and growing you know, rapidly. Uh, but but we, we kind of uh, paid our dues in the industry. And these guys sure. have to understand, in particular, their membership base, that they're going to have to, too. A thousand percent. And, and there's a lot of people that want to support too. Like we always talk about, you know, the haters in this hobby, people want to support. They want to give new businesses a shot. Uh, so lean into that, listen to your customers, do right by your customers. There's no shortcuts. Uh, Ken, Matt, I mean, we're going on two hours. We talked 45 minutes backstage, getting to know you guys. This is an awesome episode. Thank you guys for your time. I want to give Riverfront Collectibles, David Owens, we've mentioned his name. Riverfront Collectibles on Instagram, a shout out. He put us in touch with Matt and Ken. He, he said, you guys are going to have fun. These are going to be great guests. And uh, he wasn't wrong, not even for a second. Thank you guys for joining. Guys, create an account well, thank, on my slides. Thank you very much, guys. It was a blast. Guys, really, really a pleasure. You know, hope hope we can all chat again, even if it's, you know, informally. You guys seem like great guys. I, I really, really enjoy the content. And I really enjoy just kind of, you know, the genuine place that you guys come from with it so i i appreciate it another thing you got right Thanks, we guys. are great guys thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the lucas tigers and bronze oh my podcast um do us a favor and like subscribe now nah, you know what don't just like and subscribe everybody does that if you like us tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your enemies tell everybody and uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.